Support for this episode comes from SAS. SAS is going all in on AI to help the world get more done with data. See for yourself in Las Vegas, April 16th to 19th at SAS Innovate, the data and AI experience for everyone and every role from top executives to data scientists, engineers, analysts, and more. I'll be there leading a panel discussion about the importance of responsible AI. It's just one of the many sessions that will highlight the massive potential of AI. Visit innovate.sas.com and use the code CARA to save $100 on registration. I'll see you there. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's on! Hi, everyone, from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is On with Kara Swisher, and I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Naima Raza. This is our last interview of the year, Kara. Yep. We wanted to make it a fun one. And I feel like you are so excited for this guest. Yeah. Who uh, is the Emmy and Grammy-nominated comedian, the New York Times bestselling author, Randy Rainbow. Yeah, I'm a big fan of political satire, and this guy is really funny. He's done a really nice job. He obviously has a point of view. He's very liberal. Um, but I think he does these wonderful uh, videos. They were on Twitter before, on X, and now they're all over the place. Um, and he remind, I've always liked political satirists, and I think they're funny, going all mm-hmm. the way back to Mark Twain. But, you know, I like them, and I, I think he's fantastic, and he uses a lot of uh, graphics and a very clever songs and he 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 borrows from famous songs to make songs about people and I just yes. really enjoy him. He had this uh great George Santos video recently. Yep. Life's mm-hmm. a fucking fantasy for Santos. Yes. Spoof mashup of uh, mm-hmm. Mary Poppins. But he first went viral in 2010 for his format is really interesting. He uses the splicing technique. He went mm-hmm. viral the first time when Mel Gibson was having the fallout for his mm-hmm. extremely uh problematic, terrible racist rants to his mm-hmm. girlfriend. When those were leaked, um, Randy used those and spliced them up. He basically made it seem as though he and Mel Gibson were in conversation, and he yeah. titled that co- that video, Randy Rainbow is Dating Mel Gibson, which probably <laughs> was is just kind of the, the medicine Mel Gibson needed at that moment. <laughs> yeah, he's very funny. He's very mm-hmm. uh, puckish, I guess you'd call him. He's very saucy. And I think one of the things is every now and then he gets a, a really, he's really making political commentary. Yes. Uh, and I think that's why like him. Some some political satirists aren't as sharp as he is, and he really is. He really gets to the heart of things. Mm-hmm. He's also, um, you know, he's very gay, um, you know, so that's a sort of tradition of the Harvey Firestein kind of uh, personality, who I love too. Um, but, you know, he's, RuPaul, you could mix him up with a lot of people who are just mm-hmm. very funny commentators in society while at the same time putting on a show. Yes. And he has like all things comedy needs to have impeccable timing. He really took off in 2016. He made a Mm -hmm. video about um, that first debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And it was called Braggadocious. Yeah. Spinning off of... Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Expialidocious, yes. Um, And within hours, he had 
millions of views. And that's when he took off in that moment. He has a staying power. A lot of these things can come and go. uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of these satirists online, especially. And he really has a staying power. He works really hard. That's one thing you can see. And again, it's always super enjoyable. It's very smart. It's very sharp. You know, and he's jumped into live. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's become, um, he's a really multimedia kind of a guy who started online, and that that doesn't always happen. It and surprisingly, he's had, uh, given his politics, he's had lots of conservative fans over the year who still yeah. show up. He well, says to his uh, to his events, which is mm-hmm. which is fantastic to hear. And um, I'm very interested to get to hear his take on why that happens. Maybe they're not all satisfied with Greg Gottfeld over Fox. No, people like to laugh at themselves. Yeah, he's not mm-hmm. as funny as Randy is. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, you, I think a lot of people can make fun of themselves. So I've always enjoyed stuff like this and spent a lot of time watching it. So it's a real yeah. pleasure. And I want to tend something on that's serious and yet silly at the same time. Yeah, silly and timely. It'll come yeah. back, it seems. Um, and and he is a great example of someone who has benefited from the democratization of comedy. Uh, but we're here not to talk about that, but funny things after this break. We'll be back with Randy Rainbow. This episode is brought to you by On Investing, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Each week, hosts Liz Ann Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around equities, fixed income, the economy, and more. Join Kathy, Liz Ann, and their guests as they share insights on what might be moving the markets and why, as well as what indicators they are watching for signs of change. They'll also answer investor questions on everything from how sectors are evolving to what the bond markets are telling us, to where to look for opportunities and considerations for your portfolio. You can download the latest episode of On Investing and subscribe so you never miss an episode at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for On with Kara Swisher comes from NerdWallet. You don't have to be a genius to start making better financial decisions today. It's not that sexy, but piling up lots of little monetary victories today can yield some pretty significant rewards down the line. The tricky part is knowing where to start. NerdWallet can help. Their financial experts have helped countless people find new ways to maximize every dollar they earn. Now the team is helping folks get more from every dollar they spend. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credits side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering up to 10 times the points on every dollar you charge. Their expert team of nerds did the work reviewing top credit cards so you can trust that you have the smartest one for future you. If I had better rewards right now, I would probably travel to Hawaii and be sitting on a beach and not talking into this microphone right now. I would be enjoying a Mai Tai, possibly swimming, doubtful I would be surfing, but I would spend them all there. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
Welcome, Randy Rainbow. You were actually the one guest I wanted to have to finish out 2023. Um, I, for people who don't know you, obviously, we're going to get into what you do and everything you do. I don't Most want to talk people, about those people. Don't, let's not talk about those people. All right, go Make ahead. Sure. Okay. But your name is your name. People think it's a, uh, like a gay name, right? That you've decided to come up with a big old gay name yeah. but uh, or a stage name. Um, tell me the origin of Rainbow. It's German. Oh it's German, correct? The German? I got to get a copy of my book. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I know the word. I actually speak German. Well, Regenbogen. Regenbogen original, is rainbow. Yeah, it was. It's a whole thing. You, you have to read chapter one of my book, but it was originally Regenbogen translated to rainbow. So it wasn't like a an Ellis Island kind of switcheroo. We were. I was not Rabinowitz, as many people think. Right, right. And so it was Regenbogen, which does mean rainbow. Um, I took German in college, and the first word, the first sentence I did is, Mein Regenschirm ist kaputt, which means my umbrella is broken. Um, so <laughs> It sounded much dirtier than that. Does it? Well, everything in German sounds dirty or violent you? or something like that. But in fact, your great-grandparents fled anti-Jewish violence, and you grew up in Florida, is that correct? Yeah, I don't like to talk about it usually, but uh, I will... Yes, I will cop to that. Yeah, I was born on Long Island, and mm-hmm. then we moved Which to South. Which I can South. hear in your voice. I know, because when I say Florida, it's, yeah. with a, it's with an A. I grew up in Roslyn Harbor, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I was born Huntington Hospital, mm-hmm. and uh, then we moved to South Florida when I was about nine. Mm-hmm. And then I got the hell out of there as soon as I could at 21, yeah. five years ago. How dare you? <laughs> Um, but yeah, my whole family is from New York, you know, Brooklyn and uh, the Bronx. So I never really, for many reasons, I never really felt like I fit in in, in South Florida because I always, I was always surrounded by very New York energy. Can you talk a little bit about the, being in South Florida as a young, obviously gay person? I was a, I was gay very. I understood I was gay by the time I was four. I was a lesbian. Um, what was the atmosphere like for you? The atmosphere, you know, I was, I was, I think I was very naive to my atmosphere. And I, I, I still, I just until like three days ago, I've been naive to sort of the hatred um, mm-hmm. for the extent of it, really, um, being a gay Jew in this world. Um, I, I never felt like I fit in. And I was always kind of, I was just afraid of everything as a kid. So it never occurred to me that it was a, a result of my identity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it wasn't easy, but like you said, my mother, my grandmother, these very wonderful nanny. women in my life, nanny. N- nanny. So you write about them in your memoir. It's called Playing With Myself, which is, I wish, it, I'm, I have a book coming out and I now wish that was the title of my book. Oh, thank um, you. But, um, your mother raised you in the musical theater. Mine did too, actually. I went to really? every show. Yeah, in New York. We were in the New York area. And so we went to show after show. Um, but talk about your mom's influence on you in this way, in musical theater. It, I, I, it has stuck with me my whole, whole life, going to theater and being in the theater, especially musical theater. Um, and you called it her, quote, gay agenda, which made me laugh. She, Well, you know, I joked that it was her gay agenda and that she had every intention of raising the gayest son on the block. But I don't, I really don't, I think it really just was her natural uh, interest. You know, she grew up loving the theater. So she would always put me to, to sleep with the cast albums of Oklahoma and The Music Man and, and take me take me to see shows. She put me in ballet at age six. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was on the stage from a, a young age and it just, uh, I don't know, it, it, you know, I don't have to tell you what musical theater does to, to a kid who has that kind of sensibility. It really just opened my imagination and, and a whole new world for me. So you did, you did a performance of Snow White and your mom helped you do that. I love that story. I, I was not in 
such a friendly environment family-wise. So talk a little bit about that because what a, you know, this idea of your mom helping you be Snow White. Yeah, I was obsessed with this um, thing that they showed on HBO. It was a it was a recording of Snow White live at Radio City, mm-hmm. which was done in '79 and through the '80s. It was played on HBO, and I was obsessed with it. So she, uh, I decided one day I wanted to put on a production of it in my backyard and invite all of the neighborhood and 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 their kids to be my supporting cast. And of course, I wanted to. I decided that I would play the lead in Snow White. There was no. You know, it never entered my mind that I would be anything other than Snow White. The hunter. It wasn't. The hunter. hunter. <laughs> there was a hunter in it, remember? Two lines he yeah, has. Yeah, right. <laughs> not, and not even a, a singing role. And no. not a dwarf. Not a dwarf. Not a dwarf. No. I wanted to be Snow White. That yeah. was the most dramatic, fabulous role and had the best costumes. So, and, and she, you know, to her credit, never never batted an eye. And and uh, I, I just, I Looking back now, I realize how fortunate I was to have grown up in such such uh, a support. So you had the yellow home. skirt, the yellow dress. Yes, it was a sheet. It was a bed sheet. Let's yeah, call it yeah. what it is. It was not Bob Mackie making the <laughs> costumes. Um, and she 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 sat there on the bedroom floor sewing it. Also, someone who else was supportive of you was your um, nanny, which is your grandmother. Very. How did that manifest itself? Uh, well, nanny was just. Um, I mean, the biggest support system to this day that I've ever had. And my biggest comedic influence. She was, I mean, hysterically funny. She was Joan Rivers and B. Arthur and Elaine Stritch and Don Rickles all rolled into one. And just, you know, I walked on water. For, you know, I, I don't have to tell anyone, a Jewish grandmother and her grandson. That's a very special bond, especially for, a, for some reason, gay kids, gay boys mm-hmm. with their grandmothers. That's a very unique bond, I think. And it was just just very, very special. She just loved everything I did. You had a different relationship with your your dad, who you called almost an exact replica of Donald Trump. Yeah. Explain. Um, he was he was Donald Trump, not necessarily in his politics. He was considering that he was, you know, in his sixties. He was sixteen years older than my mother, but he was just of that ilk. He he was the very specific New York guy. And he kind of was had that sleazy kind of phony thing, and spoke like him, uh, just his and his mannerisms and in his narcissism, mm-hmm. almost a carbon copy of Trump, which is crazy that I you know that, that you do a lot of Trump. No, yeah, it's not. I, I guess it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not such a coincidence that people ended up. Res- that was the. That became the most kind of successful thing that people started noticing me doing was talking back to Trump, because I knew. I just feel like I knew this this guy on a. I think New Yorkers though. Oh feel yeah. Like they get him on a different level, right? Yeah, I I know him. I know yeah. that guy. Right. Well, I that know guy that lived. Guy. That guy lived in in my home, and and mm-hmm. and you know. So I just, I I say like, uh, you know, oftentimes when I'm pretending to to talk to Trump in my videos, I'm often talking to my own father in a, in a sense. So, you know, I, I, I really get his Did rhythm. that relationship d- resolve itself? Did it resolve itself in his life? No, it did not. Uh, yeah, we, we were not speaking when he passed away. Um, I'm sorry. That's all right. It, it, I, I, he, was, um, he was supportive of me to, you know, to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, the show business part, whenever he would come see me on stage or anything like that, I think he saw that as an extension of himself. Again, narcissist. So that he he always was very supportive of. But 
I just think that uh, he he just didn't he didn't know how to relate to other humans, and certainly not not a son who I, it turned out I really believe was had a lot of jealousy mm-hmm. to what you were as doing. Well. Yeah, just the fact that I was young and had my future ahead of me, I, I don't think that he was able to handle that. Well, that's fascinating. So let me explain what you do to people. Why don't you explain? We're going to play a clip of your work in a second, but how okay. how do you describe yourself? And then I'm going to play a clip of your work, which I love, called Fanny Girl, of course, G-U-R-L. Uh, I guess I'm a musical, often political satirist mm-hmm. who plugs himself into kind of the headlines of the day, and sings song parodies about them. Okay, let's play this clip. It's called election interference because I'm leading everybody by a lot in the polls for every Republican, frankly, and every Democrat, including Biden, by a lot. You know, I got to hand it to you, Mr. Former Fake, one-term, twice-impeached, currently four-time criminally indicted, not my president girl. When people call me names or, you know, threaten to lock me up for 70 years for plotting to overthrow democracy, I'm in bed for a good week. But you, you just keep throwing parties for yourself. Last night I had a rally with tens of thousands of people. Good for you. Forget those trolls. You've got a country to destroy. You know, your delusional narcissism is inspiring. Don't do it. In fact, it reminds me of a song I once knew. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't tell him he's a dirty lion bragger. Life's Big Macs and the sun's a ball of MAGA. Don't anybody dare a rain on his parade. I don't have a lot of time. Well, that is fantastic. Obviously. I'm basically just living my Barbara Streisand dreams. I, I, that's that's all. That's my medium. If you want to know, I think everyone loves that song and everything else. Explain explain that how you you did that. These are two popular formats that you mesh together: the interviews and then the musical numbers that jump from them. Right. So explain what you're trying to do there. It's um, it it was kind of very organic the way it all came together because you know a decade ago I was new to to YouTube as everybody was and to the to the social media um, landscape trying to figure out what my brand was and what my what format I wanted to do was it comedy was it musical did I want to be a, a just a stand up comedian and so I just experimented with a bunch of different formats uh, I've always been a musical person so I, I I one day I just kind of melded the two um, and and it worked you also include cartoons and visuals, quite a lot of visuals, obviously. Putting it together is enormous, what you're doing there. You're not just doing one or the other. You're doing all of them together. Oh, well, thanks. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to, I'm really, I'm, tr- I'm having a good time. That's all. Um, so people, because of the political nature of it, people often assume that I'm a, I, I have a very political agenda or that's the reason that I do this. As the years have gone by, I've, I've taken it on as more of, I, I've seen it, as more of a responsibility because of my audience to inject uh, some opinion that I feel is important to say and, and things that I want to say. But at the heart of it, I'm just a schmuck in wigs singing Barbra Streisand songs and living out my musical fantasies. And 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 yet you, you're, there's a lot of messages in it, but how do you pick your songs and topics and how do you match them? Oh, we're going to play one about uh, Life's a Fucking Fantasy for Santos, which was fantastic. But in 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 the in the Donald Trump one, it's Funny Girl. Uh, and I love when you call him Donald Jessica Trump. That's my favorite thing <laughs> that's ever. My bi- that's my hottest seller is Donald Jessica Trump. Yeah. And it's Don't Arraign on My Parade. Just get that. Ha-ha. Um, and then for Marjorie Taylor Greene, who seems to be the font of so much inspiration for you, Evergreen, which I never would 
of put together. Uh, and the line, she blames Muslims and satanic pizza sex. But it's such a sweet song. And then you have Marjorie Taylor Greene. How do you pick your songs and topics and how do you match them? Well, again, what really wins out is the, if I want to perform it. That's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to. And like for the Marjorie Taylor Greene evergreen, I do have to say that I did her from Barbara after I sang that song. Um, so, uh, but... What did she a, say? Well, she... She did not call directly. I'm upset about it. I also heard from Paul Williams, who wrote the mm-hmm. the uh, he wrote a lot lyric. of things. Um, so they liked it. But after that, she said a very nice thing, and then she had she asked her people to ask me to make a video to uh, promote her upcoming album at the time. Wow. I know. Can we just talk about that for the rest of the interview? And then she I sent know. me a little care package, and it, was, it came with a little handwritten note that said, to our love B. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, <laughs> but really, it, it's, it's, it's a combo of things. I have a running list of songs that I want to perform that I think would be, that would make good parodies um, that would be fun also for me to perform. And then I also uh, take a lot of song requests from my social media following. So, for instance, the the uh, Donor Rain on his parade, nobody asked for that, but I wanted to perform it because why not? Yeah. A lot of people were asking for the He's So Indicted, which I thought was a little too on the nose for me. So I kind of just worked it in there as a little interlude. Right, right. Which you often combine songs from very different genres, which is interesting. The um, George Santos one. Nobody asked for life's a fucking fantasy for Santos, but I wanted to dress like Mary Poppins. Yeah. So let's hear uh, that clip first, and then I have a question for you. Okay. I made a mistake, and I think humans are flawed, and we all make mistakes. Ain't he a sack of BS? How they elect such a mess? I think he might be high. I'm Jewish. <laughs> Who could have foreseen this shady queen? All he does is lie. I've never met him. Oh, I never said that. Because life's a fucking fantasy for Santos. Santos lies all day and night. Even every MAGA sycophant knows something about this dude ain't right. I'm available on Cameo, by the way. Yeah, right. He's doing really well. Are you are you glad for I, him? No, I'm very, very upset that he's doing better on Cameo than I am. I don't want to talk yeah. about it. All right. So so, so what's interesting is it works very well just listening to it. You don't need the visuals necessarily. The visuals are terrific. But when you say um, you've you've developed what you want to say, and obviously Santos is a, a goldmine of mockery and, and, and satire, um, is is it political motivation or it's just so fucking funny? It's wor- worth it, and you can also make your political point. Um, I think it is the latter. It's not. It really. It's, that's not what gets me out of bed in the morning. Is a political statement that I want to make. I mean, like for someone like Santos, what 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 needs to be said? It's so, it's so blatantly um, just absurdist that it just kind of to me plays into this kind of musical theater. Um, format. Right. He's easy to be satirical about. In your memoir, yeah. you wrote, my work is not at all politically motivated, and neither am I. I've never been a political junkie by nature. I'm not a pundit. It is political, though. It's so, it's, it, I can think of very few people who are as sharp politically as you are in terms of how they're messaging this stuff and getting it through to people, actually. Well, again, that's kind of a byproduct of what I'm doing. It's not that it's not what motivates me, but it does, especially as things get crazier in this world. I I do not want to put empty calories into the world. So if I if I'm going to get you know a million views on a video, I do feel a certain responsibility to say something as well. And do I know what I'm talking about? 
no, I have an I have a strong opinion, and you know I feel just sort of the 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 comedian in me feels the need or or feels the desire to kind of inject that whenever I can. Yeah, but you certainly could do Taylor Swift all day long, right? Or there's so many different funny the Kardashians you could do, you know. But you don't. You mean instead you of instead yes, of yes, the subjects serious, being yeah the subjects yeah. I like your subjects. Yeah. I just and I did start when I started out. You know, my first viral hit was Randy Rambo's dating Mel Gibson, right? Which is brilliant. Which you look. Mm-hmm. It, it's very for people who haven't seen it. You should see it. It's on uh, YouTube. It's a very clever video, but it's very crudely. You're just in front of your refrigerator, essentially. You're in bed, and you're you're interspersing the clips of Mel Gibson screaming at someone. Yeah, and I'm having romantic phone conversations with right. him as right. I vacuum. But yeah. so it started that, and I really just kind of followed the bouncing ball from there. I said, "This is my shtick." Now, once that took off, I'm like, that's what it is. Whatever everyone's talking about, I will insert myself kind of like Forrest Gump into that the, the scene. It really, like, I go now where I feel I'm needed. It's kind of a Mary Poppins thing. And when I do my live shows, the thing that, you know, people come up to me, I'm, I'm very humbled to say with with tears in their eyes that thank you you've you got me through you've gotten me through me the Trump years I mean I'm, they haven't ended so I haven't you know I'm still doing that but <laughs> uh, you got me for a while I know you got me through the pandemic so I I I feel again to just talk about the Kardashians that's not I don't think where my time would be best spent. spent so I'm curious speaking of time spent how long does it take to make these individual ones and where does it work best for distribution from a media business point of view like which platform does yeah. the best? Mm-hmm. Um, well, X was whatever it's called. X, X X actually has very big views, and so does YouTube, and I also um, and, and Instagram. Facebook used to be king for me, and then so it's changing. I don't have to tell you, it's always it's always changing. How do you make money in that genre? Is it through ads? And still waiting. Still waiting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, YouTube. Yeah. I, all that streaming. Revenue, but I good business. eh, Yeah, it it can be, it can be lucrative. I mean, because they're song parodies. You know, I'm often sharing Mm -hmm. money. It's you know, I'm I'm not retiring off YouTube money because I'm sharing with the with the um, publishers. Publishers, right? Um, so I. You know, I'm doing it the old-fashioned way and taking my show on the road, doing taking my tour. Taking your show on the road. So talk about that. You have this live tour, uh, Randy Rainbow for president. You have, I think, 45 stops. Of course, not in D.C., sadly. I live in D.C. I was in D.C. You missed me. I was at I the Warner you. Theater. Oh, that's a great place. I, I'm yeah. sorry I missed you. You're going to Schenectady, though, so I'm hoping to catch you there. Okay. Um, no, I'm not going to Schenectady. <laughs> <I never laughs> well, neither am I, then. <laughs> How dare you? Yes, you are. Um, talk about the the live. What, what, why is that important? Because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people who are online. They've jumped offline. Some of it hasn't worked. Some of it's worked. How do you look at that? It's just part of your multimedia. You're like omnimedia, like Martha Stewart, I guess. I'm very much like Martha Stewart. That's what it says in my bio, in my grinder profile. Um, you know, now I, I kind of wish <laughs> there are there are kids sitting around doing what I was doing and, you know, a decade ago, standing right. in front of their refrigerators and making probably three times as much money as I am. Right. For me... It, you know, back in the old days, it just seemed like the internet did seem like a means to an end. And I figured if I can build an audience, then naturally I will take the show on the road and 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 earn a living that way. You don't have to do that anymore, it turns out. So I'm schlepping around <laughs> the country and um, I probably could be a little smarter and, uh, you know, do just do more internet content. But it is in my blood. It's I started on the stage, as I said, and so it's that's a that's kind of a separate thrill. Also, you know, when you put something out on the internet, 
you you don't feel that that reaction. You see mm-hmm. metrics and you get comments and all of that stuff, which feels nice. But there's nothing like walking into a strange city that you've never been in and and being greeted by two thousand people. Right. Um, I feel like you're underselling your money. Your mom said he has a lot of financial help from us. Probably went on too long, but now he's my retirement plan. Well, that's what my mother says. If you ask her, I mean, yeah, she just she's she not getting a dime out of me. <laughs> Let's be real. We'll be back in a minute. Support for this show comes from Virgin Atlantic. Travel can be stressful. I don't think that's a controversial take. Sure, we all love taking a vacation and that moment we finally get a chance to relax, but we're always so focused on the destination that the journey just feels like a means to an end. Well, what if it wasn't? What if the time you spent getting there was just as enjoyable as the vacation itself? That's what Virgin Atlantic believes. That's why they offer loads of special extra touches that make your trip one to remember for all the best reasons. Picture this, you made it to the airport, checked in your bags, and finally have a moment to settle in before takeoff. If you're flying upper class, you could be putting your feet up in a Virgin Atlantic clubhouse at London Heathrow with food made fresh to order and champagne delivered straight to your table with a tap of a QR code. I mean, it's rude not to, right? Once you're in the air, the experience continues with deliciously different dining, seriously comfy seats, and the best crew in the sky by miles. Check out virginatlantic.com for your next trip and see the world differently. Support for this show comes from Ramp. Are you overwhelmed with managing your business expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? Is your finance software just not cutting it? Or maybe you're just looking to cut all that wasteful spending. Ramp could be a total game changer for you and your business. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spending. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Plus, Ramp is easy to use. You can get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. Not only that, but Ramp can save you money. They estimated that businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. And now you can get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash Kara. Ramp.com slash Kara. R-A-M-P dot com slash Kara. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. Let me talk a little bit about sort of where you get your inspiration. Obviously, Harvey Firestein would come to mind, um, but also Mark Russell, who did musical uh, political parodies. He performed live in D.C. for decades, PBS. He did a lot of piano work. Um, who, who do you see yourself a lineage of, if at all, and who impacted your work the most? It's none of those people. I mean, you know, people sometimes say, you must have loved Al Yankovic. I do, but but I never aspired to be him. I wanted to be Barbara Streisand and Bernadette Peters and all of those, usually women, as it turns out, that I saw on stage and, and do musical comedy. Um, Patty Lapone has got to be in Patty there. Patty Lapone, of course. Obviously, Elaine Stritch. Elaine Stritch. Look at my mug, Kara. Okay. How dare you, have- you? You think it's Elaine Stritch mug? Oh, good. Perfect. Um, I, yes, I'm pa- still here. Oh, God, I wish you were. Uh, there's one that you did mention quite a bit, who I was a big fan of was Carol Burnett, um, who, yeah. 
you know, and speaking of Bob Mackie, um, she was an inspiration for a lot of people in that regard. She did a, she did Huge. it all. She did singing and comedy and pratfalls and serious stuff too, actually. Yeah, major, major inspiration for me too. Yeah. Uh, you're and she's of, my friend now, Kara. Oh, she is? You're friends we with all of these people. We talk on the – every time I put a video out, she's the first email I get – Wow. Uh, I, she took. She invited me to. She received the Sondheim Award at Signature yes, Theater, did. and she I did. was her guest. And oh uh, she, we talk regularly. You're I living, just got her Christmas card. I'm living, living my dreams. Fan. You're living your dreams. Yeah. Uh, what, what, do, what do they say? What does someone like Carol Burnett say to you? Just she just loves it. She enjoys it. Yeah. Game, she's the, game she's, likes game. She's the most generous. I'm not, you know, delivering any breaking news, but she is the most generous soul in the world, and. Uh, yeah, just just incredibly encouraging. Yeah, and someone who gave more than she took, for sure, in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but you're also, speaking of someone who takes a lot, you're part of a crop of comedians who, who Trump, it, Trump has been important to you all. Um, uh, but I have to say, you've had staying powers where others haven't that did a lot of Trump stuff. Why do you, why do mm. you think that is? Uh, what's the state? Because that's the hard part. It's easy to start making jokes about Trump and then falling off. Yes. And of course, in the early years, thankfully, people don't really say it anymore because I think I've I've outlived that that kind of question mark. Um, but certainly in the 2016 early days, people would say, what are you going to do when there's no Trump anymore? First of all, I'm still waiting for that to happen. Right. Um, uh, and I think that I know the answer. And it's what I said earlier. It's that I am not this is these are not videos about trump and trump is not the main ingredient of these this will has been and always will be just a little gay kid growing up and living his musical fantasies and having a fabulous time that is what keeps it fresh for me and the audience that is what people are connecting to it's not the trump jokes that's just sort of that that's part of it because it's it's the subject matter of the day but it's because it's coming from a, a deeper place in me than just Trump jokes. Yeah, I, it's Elon for me, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, oh, and, and <laughs> I'll, I'll don't get make to him me nauseous. Okay, I'll try not to. But okay. another surprising thing about your work, it's attracted plenty of Republican fans over the years. Um, not maybe Lauren Boebert, who accused you of She doesn't like me. I think. She doesn't like, well, nobody really much likes her. She's a bad theater goer, by the way. She's just you a bad know? The, She's a bad theater goer. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very polite way of putting it. It's a little sh- trashy at the theater, I must yeah. say. She doesn't have not the best. She tweeted about me too. She said you were grooming, right? You're- she accused me of grooming children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. They should be so lucky; they'd all be much yeah. better dressed if I was grooming them. That is a fair point. So you you've spoken with conservatives who changed their views and their voting plans because of your videos. Uh, is that that's true? Correct? You you've said that. Uh, well, people in my audiences do do schlep their mothers and fathers, and they do. I have heard through the years that I have maybe altered a few people's uh, political opinions. But you're trying Again, to that's... reach out to a lot of. I mean, I was thinking of Book of Mormon. A lot of Mormons liked it. Like they could laugh at themselves, and it was funny, yeah. obviously. Again, not intentional, but I think that it's a spoonful of sugar. So it's you, you catch more flies, all that stuff. So people who don't necessarily share my political opinions or agree with my lifestyle or anything about me are attracted to the. Uh, nature of the musical comedy content. Right. All right. Let's hear hear a clip, for example, from one of your recent videos, your interview with Speaker Mike Johnson. You mistakenly call him Trisha, Marsha, Melvin. I I don't know. Let's listen to 
You have been very vocal about your disdain for homosexuality through the years, Melvin, and some of your past comments are making the rounds, particularly the ones in favor of criminalizing gay sex. I don't even remember some of them. Oh, honey, I totally get it. I almost never remember gay sex either. <laughs> I, I am a Bible-believing Christian. <clears throat> yeah, me too. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's a curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well... Who's Mike Johnson? I have no agenda other than Who's what's Mike Johnson? <laughs> By the way, the perfect name, right? In some ways. I also <laughs> like his smirkiness. I think you very you depicted that rather well. He has a smirkiness. Yeah, those react... Sometimes I'll look out with those reaction shots. Yeah. You know, Trump yeah. is obviously a great one for that gold mine, but he yeah. it turns out he's he's got some good uh, reactions as well. Yeah, he does. He's got a he's got a strange vibe too, I have yeah. to say. Yeah, we're not going into it, but he has a strange okay. vibe. I don't like to get political. I don't like to get political. But but you have <laughs> joked about politicians' disdain for homosexuality. Um you also did in a video on Ron DeSantis don't say gay law. Uh, but now there's a record number of anti LGBTQ plus laws are introduced across the country. Um, talk about finding humor and convincing people, which is, it's a concerning issue for anyone who was around in the before times and then everything got better. And now it feels nerve wracking. It's very nerve wracking. And I don't, I mean, I, it, it rattles me. I don't, I don't know. Um, again, I've been very naive, I feel for many years and maybe it's just gotten worse and my eyes are being open to, to all the hatred out there. But it's something I think about more and more as I'm schlepping around the country. Certainly, um, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't have the answer other than to kind of poking fun at it and uh, just just living as as proudly and loudly as possible. So we're heading into an election year. Um, how are you thinking about covering the race? It seems like it's going to be Trump and Biden. How, how are you going to decide the issues and moments to joke about? I'm just re-airing all of my stuff from 2020. <laughs> it's just no one will know. <laughs> I don't know. I really, I have, I never have a plan for anything. So again, really? I have a running list of songs that I'd like to do, but I'm just going to kind of follow the, uh, follow the headlines and see what Wolf Blitzer tells me. Uh, you know, my marching orders are every night. What's your top song on that list? Top song on the list? Oh my yeah. god! I shouldn't tell anybody because tell, then it won't on. be a surprise. Oh. All right, let me. Can I pull it up? Yeah. Wait a minute. Oh my god! Well, the first one that came up was your favorite magic to do. Oh, do I know weird. how I would use that? I mean, can yeah. you think of a way? I don't know. Uh, god, I would do the Irene Ryan song. Song possibly. Oh, which one Just is that? Time the, uh, at all. Just yeah, that's time a at all. that's a good one too. Maybe I'll do that one. Yeah, I could sing that to to Biden. <laughs> There's oh, I have without Trump to the tune of without love from Hairspray. Uh huh. Um, so any any dem will do. I did that, so that can come off. Um, yeah. So you're looking at all kinds of songs. Um, all right, I'm going to put you on the spot. I just have a couple more questions. Uh, the verb someone was telling me is someone got Randy rainbowed, which sounds like a sexual act in the Castro. Um, but I'm going to name uh, someone who we've talked about on my show in the past year, and I'd love you if you could match them with a musical or show or character that first comes to mind. Okay. Uh, okay, we'll start with a recent guest of mine, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. I'm looking at my wall of musicals. Liz Cheney, I feel like she's... That's sort of like a... Oh, God. I, I feel like maybe Les Mis is coming to mind for some reason. Les Mis. Yeah. Because she's sort of... With the arm. Well, dun, yeah. Dun, dun. yeah. 
That's yeah. right. I like it. I like it. I feel All like right. I see I'm bad with this stuff, believe it no, or not. No, that's so okay. I feel like Elon there's a Musk. better. Elon Musk. Oh, God help us. Elon Musk is. What's a flop? I want to say <laughs> Carrie the musical. <laughs> that's perfect. Just like the most, the most historical flop. <laughs> that would be Carrie, right? Yeah. Yeah, Carrie. Yeah. I feel like yeah. Elon the musical would definitely be like on the wall at Joe Allen's. Absolutely. Yeah, right, right. By the kitchen. <laughs> By the kitchen. It would be a horror, horror musical. Um, uh, Steve Bannon. Well, the one that I did for him was not a show tune, and I do it in my live show. It's it's I, I sing Yes, We Have No Steve Bannon to the tune of <laughs> Yes, We Have No Bananas, Bananas, which is a 1920s novelty song. Yeah, yeah, that works. That works. Um, last one, Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley together. Oh, God, wicked. <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't know who's who's Glinda. Or her. It would just be a horrible backward, backwards kind of awful underground version production of Wicked that no one wants to see. Which song from Wicked? I'm going to push well, I guess you I'm, I'm thinking popular. I'm think, right. I can see the two Pop. of them do it. And I guess it would be, yeah, or, or maybe Defying Gravity. Yeah. Oh, I, don't, I haven't gotten to casting. Both of them. I know. I feel good, almost bad giving them that material. Yeah. Yeah. Popular. I think popular is where you, where you need to be. That's perfect. Yeah. All right. They're quite a pair. All right. Last two questions. Oh, uh, Sideshow. La- I just, I looked at my <laughs> wall and I see Sideshow. That would be a good one too. Also yeah. kind of a flop. Great music, but yeah. I, that would be kind yeah. of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You okay. know, you don't, you don't give any of these people a Sondheim. They're too good for a Sondheim. I guess that's what I, I guess I'm kind of holding back from Sondheim. Or you could go to West Side Story. Boy, boy, crazy boy. That would be Elon. Okay. Keep cool. You're better at this than I am. You're going to steal my act. (laughs) I can't sing. Um, (laughs) I want to close with a clip that's something that's, uh, it wasn't a funny thing. And I remember where I was when this happened. Um, But in uh, 2022, you were honored with the Matthew Shepard Making a Difference Award. which was uh, in honor of Matthew Shepard. He was murdered in 1998 at the age of 21 in, in a very horrific anti-gay hate crime. Uh, it resonated with me at the time, with a, lo- a lot of people, but his parents have gone on to start a really wonderful foundation, and they're such a wonderful pair. They're the best. Uh, I've met them many times, um, and I was very moved by your speech about, oh, about this. Let me play this clip. One day it dawned on me that somewhere along my journey from this shy, often silent little queer kid getting bullied on the playground in South Florida to this vision in rhinestones you see before you tonight, I must, I must have gotten a little brave, brave enough not only to express my political views, but to express my true self with a kind of unbridled creative freedom, being as flamboyant as I want to be singing the girl songs I've always loved but would never otherwise be given to sing in uh, any mainstream world, wearing the lipstick and the nail polish. They look good tonight, right? And uh, of course, the cheap wigs, just because I want to. Of course, I have to credit my mother, who is not here tonight. I brought my publicist. I'm in show business now. How do you look back on that shy, queer kid playing dress up? And what would you say to make him hopeful? Oh my goodness. I, 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 it's, um, I don't know. I get emotional when I think about it because I was so trapped inside of myself. 
And like I said, I, a combination of things, starting with my mother, and that was one of the reason that, reasons that night meant so much and was so emotional because I was there with with Matt Shepard's mom, who's such a love, and, uh, you know, um, thought about their connection. Um, and, and just this series of, of events that, that somehow snowballed into me having some enough courage to just be myself a little bit. Um, so it's cliche, but I would I would just say keep going. You know, it's 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 amazing that that I have been able to, you know, go, go come as far as I have. There's still plenty uh, of land to cover, um, ground to cover, but um, I I just um, I I guess I'm I'm proud of myself, and I would I would tell him to just keep your chin up, and the sun will come out tomorrow. I just wrote that. <laughs> I just wrote that on this. I saw podcast. that show. May I say, with Andrew McArdle? Stop bragging. Show. I did. I oh did. God. I'm a so gay man, man, really. You are all this lesbian. <laughs> You're a better one than I am. Damn it. <laughs> I am in a lot of ways. And I'm here. Uh, with, I got to go feed my cat. Talk because okay. I'm I'm the is lesbian that, in this is relationship. That, it's true. You really are here. Is that Mushi? Is that correct? Or no, Mushi is no longer with us. And if you read chapter 19, I think yes. it's a tearjerker. This is right. Tippy. She's even <laughs> saying a few words on the podcast. Can you hear her? Oh my god. It's your first podcast. Yeah, I know. We're going to go feed you. Okay. She is. She's a fancy feast cat. She is. She, she is a fancy feast cat. She's adorable. Uh, again, um, huge fan. You do amazing work. Likewise. Thank you, you very much, Kara. You, And good luck with podcasting. If you ever need any help, I, I, I've been in it for 10 years, and I can tell you it's wonderful. I look forward to it, and thank you. Was Randy Rainbow, I mean, uh, Randy Reagan-Bogan, Everything you wanted and more, Kara. Yeah, it was great. It was a great show. He's a very heartfelt person. He's mm -hmm. obviously got a lot going on, and but he's very, very funny. And I think that was what I was trying to show. It's a good way to end the year on someone who's super smart um, and uses his smarts for entertainment. But not as good a gay man as you. <laughs> no. His musical theater job. Yeah, yeah. What do you, you kept asking what his staying power is. What do you think it is? Talent. Just pure talent. He's so clever. Um, you know, satire is difficult and most mm -hmm. people are very broad and he's very clever. I was thinking also, it's hard to compare because Sarah Cooper obviously is talented. There are mm -hmm. other people who are so talented, but I think we've also had a little, they were very, they were very Trump dependent comedians. Yeah. And he is diversified. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. Say. It gets a lot of material from the MAGA folks. It doesn't need to rely on Trump. Um, yeah. And because we've had a little break from Trump in the media, I, I wonder if we'll see a lot of these people come back. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, it's okay to have a, a shtick and stuff yeah. like that. But as long as you're really, really funny um, and, yes. it, and it's what people like. Um, John Oliver essentially does the same thing over and over again. He just did a big Elon Musk one show. And mm -hmm. they're all very funny. It. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. I got to watch it. It's, it's, it's an easy, it's a lot of material there. So I know. He's been keeping our go our show going all year. Mm -hmm. I'm kidding. Um, but do you buy he's not political, Randy? He kept saying he kept shying away from the political. I think he's political in a way. He's a political commentator. I don't think he wants. I don't think he's an activist. You know, I guess he's not doing it for activism. He's doing it for entertainment. Um, but I think he feels like at this moment it's serious, and um, and you know he could make jokes about. I guess Britney Spears or whoever, but he's not. He's not. A lot of comics do that. Uh, he's talking about the moment, and I think he would shift if he needed to. He could do an Elon one. He could do a. He could do business leaders. He could do. Yeah. He could go in any direction. 
One person he will never mock, a direction he will never go in, mm -hmm. Barbara Streisand. Yeah. He, why would she? He prays to Barbara. Well, it could be a, like, a love a love poem uh, yeah, kind of thing. I think there's a lot of love there. I don't know. He's just, he's too, you know, that's a trope of gay guys loving Barbara Streisand, but he does it really well. I have to he say. does love her well. I do too. So as a gay man myself. So. <laughs> yes, I was going to say. Um, I did like that she asked him to bump the music video or her team. Yeah, to, to bump the, but that's, yeah. A, that's kind of an insight into the symbiotic relationship between the last generation of artists and digital creators. Mm, back. Why not? Yeah, mm. it's great. There mm. used to be that you just get cease and desist letters from record labels because <laughs> they didn't her. understand what was going on. Yeah, not she, she knows how to market herself, Barbara Streisand does. We got to get her on the show, mm -hmm. Sure. 2024 Target. Good luck. Send her a care package. Yeah, I'll ask Randy to help us. Yeah. Anyways, read us out. Today's show was produced by Naeem Araza, Christian Castro-Rosal, Kateri Yogam, Megan Cunane, and Megan Burney. Special thanks to Andrea Lopez-Cruzado. Our engineers are Fernando Arruda and Rick Kwan. Our theme music is by Trackademics. If you're already following the show, you get a handwritten note direct from Barbara Streisand. If not, enjoy your tickets to the Elon Musk rendition of Carrie the Musical. Go wherever you listen to podcasts, search for On with Kara Swisher, and hit follow. Thanks for listening to On with Kara Swisher from Vox Media, New York Magazine, and us. You can subscribe to the magazine at nymag.com slash pod. Have a great holiday, everyone. We'll be back in January with fresh episodes.